It's been a while since we've seen this big of impact as far as rule changes go going into a season, and that's why that will be the most interesting thing to watch as spring training games begin this upcoming weekend. We'll talk about that and what else to watch during spring training for the Atlanta Braves on this episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome back to Lockdown Braves, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jacob Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore brave. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback that you have for the podcast. Also, make sure you check out my website, shortstopball.com, where I posted my roster predictions on there in written format. Also, talked about it on the podcast yesterday if you want to check that out. And make sure that you subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. If you're new, subscribe on YouTube. If you're watching this video, do me a favor, hit that thumbs up button. Do appreciate the support. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday. You got plenty of spring training coverage coming your way as games begin this weekend. So should be a lot of fun on today's episode. I'm going to tell you, my five biggest things that you should be watching as spring training games kick off this weekend. And I'm going to get to some of yours as well. I asked on Twitter and had some great responses. Always try to make this show as interactive with you as possible. So I'm going to get to those comments later in the podcast. But I'm going to start out giving you my top five. And the first one for me, and I think this is going to be the same for pretty much every team, are the rule changes. And I think it's going to be very significant to see how quickly players adapt to these significant rule changes that we're going to see in 2023. And mainly the pitch clock. I think that's going to be the biggest one that a lot of pitchers and hitters, frankly, because you know they can get penalized for this as well. I think that's going to be the biggest adjustment that they have to make. I ultimately think it's a good adjustment but first several weeks in spring training, maybe into the regular season, hopefully not. This is going to be a bit difficult as a fan and as a player. It's going to be highly frustrating because they're not used to it. We saw it this past weekend. If you're a college baseball fan, just how frustrating it is for a coach, for a player. When we saw at bats in the college baseball where a player struck out because they didn't get in the box in time. We saw players who walked because the pitcher didn't start their motion in time. I don't want to see that. I don't think anybody really wants to see that. We just want the action sped up, or I do. And I understand not every fan out there feels that way. Some fans are fine with the slow pace of the game and watching three-and-a-half-hour games. I love baseball. I feel like you know I love baseball as much as anyone out there, if not more. I want to see the action sped up. I think these are ultimately going to be good rules to help speed up the action of the game. I don't care if I'm watching a four-hour game if there's consistent action, but that's not what we've seen for years. And I, you know, I'm old enough that I can remember the early days where you got in the box, you got ready, you got the ball, you got on the mound, and you pitched. It's not that way anymore. I don't need to see batters, and I'm not 
need to get off my soapbox here and get back into the podcast. I don't need to see batters step out and adjust themselves after every pitch. I don't need to see pitchers circling the mound after every pitch. So I think these are going to be good rule changes for the game, but it is going to be an adjustment for players and coaches and dogs fan in the chat section is right. Somebody's going to get ejected and it could possibly cost somebody a game and nobody wants to see that. The umpires don't want to see that. That was one of my bigger takeaways from the college baseball game this past weekend is that umpires didn't like having to enforce it either, but it's their job. And like I said, once everybody gets accustomed to these rules and I think you'll see it penalized heavily on heavy early on and then players and coaches and umpires will adjust to it. And I think hopefully it'll start to go away as the season goes along. And certainly as the years go on, ultimately I think it's going to be a good thing, but it is going to be a big transition. And just to go over the rules for the pitch clock, there's a 30 second timer between batters. Pitchers must start their, their motion 15 seconds after getting the ball. They can, have two disengagements for each plate appearance. So that's a step off or a pickoff. They only get two per plate appearance and the batters. And I think this is a key one that a lot of people don't realize the batters have to be in the box by the eight second mark on the clock or they'll get hit with a strike. So that for me is the bigger one. I know a lot of this is motivated to have pitchers speed up their mechanics and getting, uh, you know, getting the pitch in, but, for me, I just I I don't need to see batters walking around adjusting their batting gloves, adjusting themselves, looking at the bat, smelling the bat, get in the box, let's go. That's been one of my biggest gripes for pace of play. I don't need to see all of that. So hopefully that starts to go away. And like I said, batters have to be in the box at the eight second mark. So that's the biggest thing for the pitch clock. I did want to point out Grant McCauley tweeted out a video on Wednesday of Ronald Acuna Jr. taking live BP against Max Freed. And Ronald took him deep, and I'm not taking anything away from that swing. Still an incredible swing. But you can hear Max Freed after the hit saying to the catcher, I, can't remember, I think it was Darno catching at the time, you know, he looked up at the clock, saw there was four seconds, and perhaps, you know, that leads us to believe or assume that perhaps he sped things up a little bit to try and beat the clock. Now, he could have stepped off in a regular game maybe he just steps off but i think that's something to look at and something to definitely watch in spring training do we see pitchers perhaps rush things to get the pitch in in time and it leads to some bad pitches either you know pitches that are wild pitches or pitchers that are left over the plate that were crushed like the one that he threw to ronald acuna jr so Something to definitely keep an eye on there. I think that's going to be one of the biggest adjustments for pitchers and hitters in spring training. And like I said, even into the um, into the regular season as well. The other one is shift restrictions. And I see Mike Brown commenting, we have to have a shortstop with a lot of range because of the change in the shift rule. The shortstop and second baseman have to be shading in the right direction according to each pitch. Um, and yes, that's going to be a big adjustment as well is how are teams going to still shift? Because they're still going to shift. It'll be more like the old days. You know, even when I was a shortstop in high school, if a lefty came up, I took a step, you know, a couple steps closer to the first base side. Or if it was a, a righty, I'd take a step, couple steps closer to the third base side. Teams are still going to shift. That's always been in the game. It's the exaggerated shift that has gone away. I still think you're going to see when a big lefty comes up, you're going to see the shortstop 
you know, just at the left of the second base bag. You're going to see the third baseman more in that six hole between shortstop and third base. And you're going to see all of them, you know, as far back on the infield dirt as they can be. I don't think there's going to be a, I don't think there's going to be a big difference there. Again, I think most teams will still do a shift similar to what I just said. Perhaps somebody tries something unique, most likely the Tampa Bay Rays, if anybody. I'm a little bit more interested in terms of what hits are going to get through. And do we see Matt Olson sneak another hit or two through the right side because that second baseman has to play on the dirt? I'm more interested to see, you know, do we see more hits like that more so than how defenses are going to align, because I think that's going to be pretty, you know, self-explanatory how teams are still going to shift and they're still going to move uh, infielders over. It's just, you know, they got to stay on the dirt. You got to have two players on each side of the bag. The bigger bases, I don't think that would be something to watch in spring training, probably more so something as we get into the regular season. But, you know, certainly I think that's going to change things once we get into the regular season. But the rules changes. Adjusting to those, mainly the pitch clock, I think that's going to be a huge thing to watch in spring training. Next, I'll get to some things to watch for individual players like Vaughn Grissom and his defense, Ian Anderson and his slider. We'll talk about those next. It's the midway point of the NBA seasons. They're after the All-Star break now and down to the wire. So now makes the perfect time to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. You can even get uh, plus FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get in on the number one sports book app in America and don't miss the opportunity for that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Yesterday, we looked at the roster predictions. If you haven't listened to that, go back and check that out. The day before that, I gave you my awards predictions for the Braves and who I think will be the MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, Reliever of the Year. So make sure you go back and give those a listen as well. Tomorrow, we'll be doing our mailbag episode of the week, final one before game starts. So be looking for the tweet that I'll send out from the podcast account on Twitter so that you can submit your questions there or join me live on Thursday night. Moving into players, what I'm watching for, and I think the next biggest thing, the biggest one from a player standpoint is, in my mind, Von Grissom. It'll be difficult for fans to really judge. There are 15 games right now that I see that the Braves will have on TV from you know their own Valley Sports South network or from other teams broadcast feeds i'd imagine grissom's going to get a lot of playing time this spring training as they you know try to give him as many reps as possible at shortstop to prove that he can handle the position defensively so hopefully we do get to see a good bit of him for those who aren't able to be there for me i just want to see if the actions are smooth there's really nothing he can do in a month and a half to necessarily prove to me that he's going to be an a good or even above average defender, you know, that will come over time. But 
does he look smooth? Does he look comfortable at the position or are things rushed? Does he look kind of out of control? Is he pressing defensively? You know, in my mind, he just he just needs to look comfortable there. He needs to be able to handle the routine plays with ease and make the routine plays. I don't need to see him diving in the hole, getting up, you know, making jump throws in the hole. I don't need to see any of that. I need to see him make routine plays. I would like to see some solid range and see what that arm looks like as well. So that for me, again, in the opportunities that we get on TV, I'm really looking to see what Grissom looks like defensively and how much that work with Washington will pay off. Look, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of games at the minor league level of Von Grissom, so I don't necessarily have an expectation of what he looks like defensively. I've seen highlight clips of good defensive plays, and I've heard from experts who have said that he can't handle the position defensively, but last year we only got to see him play second base outside of one game. So I personally just haven't seen a lot of Von Grissom at the shortstop position, so really looking forward to getting my eyes on that. And again, I just want to see that comfortability. Does he look comfortable there or is he pressing? Is everything hurried um, or, you know, does it does he just handle the routine plays with ease? If he can do that, I think he'll be just fine. The other thing I'm watching for is Ozuna and Rosario and their at bats. These are two big bats who are making significant money looking for bounce back seasons. They're going to be on the roster just simply because of the money they're making unless the Braves just decide to completely part ways and cut one of them, which seems somewhat unlikely unless some other guys just absolutely you know, stand out and step up in the outfield mix. Normally for veterans like these two who have a good track record for the most part at the major league level, you don't put a lot of stock into spring training stats. I will absolutely be putting a fair amount of spring training stock into their, their stats, not necessarily the outcomes, but I just need to see competitive at-bats, consistent hard contact. That's what I'll be looking for, You know, whether watching on TV or listening on radio. I'm pretty sure the Braves carry every spring training game on radio just about. So that's what I'll be watching for to see what the at-bats look like. Are they consistently making solid contact, having good at-bats? For me, this isn't a spring training where they can just go out there and get their work in and feel safe. I need to see some serious improvement from both Rosario and Ozuna to justify them getting playing time to start the year. The other thing for me that I'm watching for is the health of Michael Soroka, and I hate that that's something that I'm watching for, but I most certainly am. He's already had one little bit of a hiccup, even Alex Antopoulos said it's not something that they're worried about or anything keeping them up at night. But again, as I talked about already this week, I just feel like he hasn't played in two and a half years. You know, this is something his body hasn't really had to prepare for in two and a half years. There's going to be hiccups. There's going to be these nagging injuries that come along. Do we see some of those in spring training that hold him back? How aggressive will the Braves be? At any point, if he feels any kind of something anywhere in his body, whether it be the shoulder, the hamstring, anything, how how aggressive will the Braves continue to be with him? Or they, do they just completely shut him down and then kind of start over and ramp him back up? So that'll certainly be something I'm watching. And then the final thing that I'm watching in spring training is Ian Anderson's slider. And, you know, his secondary pitches as well. You can throw his curveball in there, but... 
something outside of the fastball and curveball. What has he been working on, you know, at AAA last year and in the offseason, hopefully, to kind of expand his repertoire to more so outside of the fastball slider? And, yes, I know, you know, he throws the curveball a good bit, but it's not something that hitters really have to think about a lot. Can he put another pitch in there to put something else in the mind of hitters to get him off that that changeup that is so good and is so devastating can he develop that other pitch and again limited number of games on tv hopefully we get one or two on tv of ian anderson but i'm really curious to see what that slider looks like is it a pitch he can get over for a strike as brian snicker said yesterday but again overall just looking to see the development that ian anderson has made with those secondary pitches not something i need to see great results of although i think that is going to be somewhat important for him as he's trying to win a job he needs to have results so it could be a situation where maybe he doesn't feel comfortable working on those things right now because he is trying to compete for a job and he wants to have those good results but i certainly hope to see more of that to see the slider curveball thrown a little bit more from ian anderson and hopefully it leads to some better results i did again roster prediction yesterday and Right now, I have Ian Anderson getting that fifth spot because I'm a little worried about the health of Soroka and him having another hiccup that sets him back in spring training. So really curious to see what Ian Anderson looks like in spring training. Those are my five biggest things to watch in spring training that I'm most curious about. Next, I want to get to some of your comments and what you said you are most forward to seeing in spring training. And getting to the Twitter comments on this, um, Joey Milby, Joe Me, uh, says, I'm watching for the bounce back guys. How does Eddie look? Does Ozuna care? Is Ronnie getting that torque back in his swing? Is Ozzy hitting the ball? Is Kirby throwing that cartoon cutter? Can Soroka make it all the way back? And can Ian throw a pitch that breaks horizontally? A lot of things that you know I, I mentioned in there as well. I think Kirby is certainly one to look at in spring training can he get back to the level that he was that would certainly be huge for the bullpen i like the ones here from caleb coos who says has eli white's offensive adjustments work and that's something um you know it's been talked about in spring training that he's made some tweaks to his skill set offensively at the plate his swing he's a great runner he's a great defender just hasn't been able to get it done with the bat if that were to come along that would be a great surprise for the braves Caleb also talked about Eddie Rosario. Can he see? And then the health of Mike Soroka. Bryce Elder, uh, he also says, was his finish last season an anomaly or is that who he is? Just me personally, I I see Bryce Elder as a fourth, fifth starter. I think that's who he is. I think he can dominate teams like the Marlins, like the Nationals, but probably struggles a bit against the uh, better teams in baseball. Matt Langford's got a, a long list here, but I think it's a pretty good one. It says Riley's new bats, Ozzy's new haircut, Soroka's health, Eli White's speed, Hilliard's pop, Vaughn's glove, Acuna's aggressiveness in the field. I think that's a key one as well. I don't know if we'll see it in spring training. I doubt he's going to go out all out in spring training, but I am curious to see if Acuna's a little bit more aggressive in the outfield this year. Obviously, was overly cautious last season, and I think he was told by the Braves to be so. Um, so just curious if he goes back out to his all all out mentality on defense. It also says Murphy's arm and Charlie Spinray. I think Charlie Spinray is a good one as well. As somebody else in here mentioned, uh, Charlie Morton, Coach Gordon Bombay says, can Charlie Morton stop hitting left-handed batters? 
I definitely think that's something to keep an eye on. Maybe not so more much so in spring training, but through the regular season. VA Brave says how all the pitchers react to the pitch clock. Um, he mentioned the home run that he gave up to Acuna, and it looked like maybe he rushed the pitch. We talked about that a little bit. Joshua Daniels watching some videos. And I know it's early, but seeing the pitchers trying to get used to the pitch clocks is going to be very, very interesting. I do agree. I think that's going to be the most interesting thing to watch in spring training. Chip Hendricks says, I'm with you on, on Ian Anderson. Plus, I'd like to see Kevin Pillar come back strong. He's a good player and a good guy. I agree. Again, I talked yesterday in my roster predictions. It was kind of between he and Hilliard for that last spot. I went with Hilliard. I just think there's a little bit more upside there. But I like the veteran leadership of Pilar. And if he does you know, show out in spring training and show that he still has something in the tank there, I wouldn't hate having him on the bench. Peterson says Strider using and evolving his changeup. I think that's a key thing to watch that maybe we see him because unlike Ian Anderson, Strider knows he has a spot locked up. So he has the ability to come into spring training and, and mess with that change up a little bit and throw it some more to work on it. So I think that is a, that's a good call there is something to watch. Kate Harrington, Eddie Rosario's hand-eye coordination. Carlos Danger says the five spot in left field are things he's watching. Hunter Mayer says Ronald's ability to hit the fastball, and I think that's a curious one as well. You know, Ronald a little bit late on the fastballs last year, had trouble with that high velocity. Can he get back uh, to catching up to that velocity now? I think he will, but certainly something we need to see. And then Jay Goldio 3 says Von Grissom's bat and defense. So all good things there, a lot of those that we talked about. Uh, but those were the comments for Twitter. Getting sort of some in the chat. Um, Let's see, Marianne Smith, I don't like the ghost runner they need instead on second base. They should be on first. Yeah, they are implementing the ghost runner to start extra innings again. That's going to be an official thing in the regular season. Again, I don't hate it. I wish it started in like the, the 12th inning, but that is going to be back in the game as well. Mike Brown, we have to have a lot of oh, – we already talked about that one. I'm sorry. Uh, Mike Brown also says that he doesn't like the pitch clock. It's going to be a hard adjustment for everybody. Again, my takeaway from the first weekend of college baseball season who implemented some similar rules, it's it's hard. It's going to be difficult transition for for everybody, but I think in the end it's going to be uh, going to be better. Dogs fan, they're doing more to get new fans or more people watching than trying to fix the actual problem, which is blackouts. And that is a big problem. There's some hope that with all this stuff going on with Bally and, and Diamond Sports that perhaps there's a road to that going away here pretty soon. But I believe that is probably one of the biggest problems, if not the biggest problem for growing the game right now. Mike Brown, going to be like uh, back when we play, do your homework on if the hitter is a pull hitter, an opposite field hitter, then adjust according to whether a fastball or an off-speed pitch. I agree. Look, that's how I grew up playing the game and not to talk about how it was back in my day, but everybody's sh shifted. There's been a shift in baseball for forever but it's going to be more like it was back in the day. You're going to take a couple of steps to the left or a couple of steps to the right, and you're going to know what the pitch is coming in, and that could dictate where you move as well. So shifting is still going to be in the game. It's just it's not going to be that exaggerated shift that we've been accustomed to seeing for several years now. Mark Clayburn, Clyburn says, love your show. Great insight. Um, I like on the my, my Braves. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that, Mark. Appreciate all the kind comments that you give me. Uh, Dogs fan, Chipper could do wonders for Azuna if he'll listen. Um, we'll see. Chipper's supposed to be in camp starting February 27th, so that'll be great to see and have him back in there working 
with the hitters. Uh, Mark Claiborne also says, I don't see our plan being Grissom and RC. Either we have something in mind for the future or they have some insight on our minor leaguers. I think Grissom is the future, and I think they're at least playing him for now as the future. Look, if things don't work out and he doesn't make the adjustments defensively, he is still 22 years old. So I think he's deserves the chance and the opportunity. But right now, Grissom is the future. There's nobody else uh, that's going to be handling that shortstop job anytime soon. If he doesn't work out, it's Arcia, and perhaps they go out and, and try to find a veteran like Iglesias or Angleton Simmons who are still available. Um, Mets hater edit said, could you see any player on the active roster right now that could be extended, traded, or released? Max Freed, I think there's there's been talks. I'm going to say this is from Alex Anthopoulos himself and from Max Freed himself. There has been some dialogue between the two. So if there's an extension candidate left out there right now, I think it's Max Freed. I think he's the most likely. If Kyle Wright were to come back and have a similar type season, could maybe see the Braves trying to lock him up. As far as traded, I don't really see them trading anyone right now, especially not on the active roster. As far as released, I can see them releasing, you know, either Eddie Rosario or Marcelo Zuna. They are making big money, but if they just, again, if if Hilliard were to step up or uh, Kevin Pilar looks the part and he looks, you know, more improved and better than Rosario or Zuna, and those guys just aren't getting it done, I could see them cutting them, but probably not at the end of spring training. Mark Laburn also says Anderson must find a third pitch, period. Uh, I agree. I think he needs to not just find a third pitch because he does have that curveball to find a third pitch that hitters are actually afraid of and are looking for. Marianne Smith, Jake, I wish we had not um, double and hold on the ball before he he throws the ball to Grissom if it work a little bit more. Certainly something to watch, uh, to look for in spring training there, uh, the release of the ball from Grissom. Mike Brown, I felt the throw from shortstop was easier than from second base. Second, you have to throw across your body when going into the hole behind first base. My arm was strong enough. Um, but I'll be honest, I I always played on the left side of the infield, and it felt like bizarro world to me the one time I had to start playing on the right side because I dislocated my shoulder. So I agree. Look, I give, I give Von Grissom a break. He had never really played second base he had always been at shortstop he did not look great at second base when he came up but again for me as somebody who always played on the left side from eight-year-old through high school the time I had to go to the right side of the infield it just felt really weird so maybe he is more comfortable at shortstop certainly hope that is the case dog stand if strider could develop his change up he'd be even better absolutely I mean I think he's going to be great regardless, even with his fastball slider, because they're both plus-plus pitches. But if he develops a changeup, just to put it in the mind of hitters, we're talking Cy Young type of player here. Mark Liburns, curious if you've heard any rumors from Acuna's camp on his contract. I was watching MLB tonight a few weeks ago and heard them mention that the contract is good. The Braves have him locked up for several years. Um I don't I don't think there's been any rumors or any rumblings of you know either a contract renegotiation or any type of extension there. Mike Brown, if Strider has an off-speed pitch this spring, he will be even better this year to go from 99 to 88 is almost unhittable. Maybe he needs to go um a little lighter bat to catch up to the fastball. Uh 
I agree. Again, off-speed pitch for Spencer Strider just takes him to another level. Miguel Freya says, hey, Jake, did you check top 100 MLB best players? Acuna is ranking 25. Riley is ranking 20. Do you agree? I agree they're both top 25 players. I would still put Acuna ahead of Riley. I understand why some wouldn't. But when you talk about the entire package, there's no question in my mind that Acuna is the better player. But I think they're both easily top 25 players in all of baseball. But, you know, Acuna's coming off the injury. Wasn't necessarily Acuna-like last year. So I think some people need to see him get back to that. Uh, and I think you will in 2023. Austin Reed says, I finally made a live video. Hard to stay up this late with the kids, but let's go. Ready for some good takes. Thanks so much for joining, Austin. Glad you were able to. And yes, I got two little ones as well. So uh, this is the only time where I can really do this. Um, but appreciate you hanging around to join the podcast. Bradford Brusso, could you see the Braves making a move for O'Neill Cruz? Think his skill, at- skill set attributes would be tailor-made for multiple fits for the Braves. Could move him to left field. I don't. I've I've heard others ask about possibly trading for O'Neill Cruz. Why would the Pirates trade him? I just don't. I don't see the reasoning for why the Pirates would want to move him. So I don't. I don't see it um, necessarily. And then Austin Reed was Tyler Naquin too expensive. I felt like he would have been truly solid fit for left field. Lublo backing up and Rosario backing up literally every position except pitcher and catcher. Um, I'm not sure where Tyler Naquin uh, signed with, if he was too expensive or not. But, you know, there were several outfield options out there. And I like the ones that the Braves um, brought in. Um, Tyler Naquin got a minor league deal with the Brewers, so he was not too expensive. I think the Braves just probably, I think they see some upside with guys like Hilliard, with Eli White, maybe to a smaller degree, Jordan Luplo. So I think the guy Braves targeted, they targeted for a reason. I'm hoping it's because likely they see something in their swing that maybe they can fix and help that player turn things around. And even Alex Antopoulos said the guys they brought in for outfield, he he believes and knows that they at least have a floor as being solid defensive players, and that's a big reason why he signed them. And I think that's very smart. If things don't work out offensively in left field, it's okay because of the way the rest of the roster is constructed. At least have somebody out there that's not going to hurt you defensively. All right, that will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Thank you so much for making Locked On Braves your first listen of every day. Now go make your second listen to Locked On Sports Today podcast where they talk about the biggest stories of the day plus with instant reactions from big game recaps and the take of the day. You can find the Locked On Sports Today podcast on Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts, just like you can this one. Again, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOn underscore Braves. Get your questions ready for tomorrow's mailbag episode. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at ShortstopBall. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 